Music has an incredible ability to proclaim the soul's language beyond what mere words can speak. That is what we seek as we invite our guests to share their song of the soul. Be it joy and laughter, sorrow and tears, awe and insight, or deepest devotion, as we visit and listen, we are all part of a spiritual voyage called Song of the Soul. Today for Song of the Soul, we're bringing you a variety of artists around a seasonal theme. We'll be sharing songs about the solstice, Hanukkah, Christmas, and the changing of the year. We've got so many wonderful musicians and songs that it will take us two weeks to get them all in. So this is the first installment of Winter Holidays, and boy do we have some great guests with us. I'm especially excited to welcome back Chris Williamson, whose song, Song of the Soul, is the theme music for our program, but we'll also welcome back John McCutcheon, Chris Haddocks, Sigrid Christensen, Steve Suffet, and we'll start things off with the one and the only Billy Jonas, joining us from North Carolina. Billy, it's great to have you back for Song of the Soul. Thank you. I'm privileged to be here, and it's really wonderful to hear your voice again. Now, my last time having you here was with Abraham Jam, that wonderful confluence of Christian and Jewish and Islamic folks, music influences coming together. And I'm bringing you tonight for the longest night of the year. Do you celebrate it as anything special besides Taco Wednesday? You're right. It is Taco Wednesday, and it's the longest night of the year, and it is the deepest, darkest time of the year, and then the light starts to return. And I absolutely acknowledge it and celebrate it, though I don't have a particular ritual in mind other than Taco Wednesday for this iteration. My wife and I love to create new rituals, and sometimes I hit on things that become regular for us. I think it's important to know that every holiday is always a pastiche. These are things that people have pastiched together in the past, and suddenly it becomes tradition. So Taco Wednesday is probably how it's going to be celebrated for the next several hundred years, I'm I'm sure, because now (laughs) your listeners know that's what you do. Yeah, it's got to be official. And do you normally celebrate Hanukkah, too? I mean, we're in Hanukkah as well. Absolutely, yeah. You know, a friend of mine who celebrates Hanukkah said, my son and his wife are home, so we actually have two menorahs going, which is he was excited about having two menorahs instead of just the normal one. And I and I said, don't you normally light more than one? I mean, our house is, we have seven menorahs and they're all going. Why just have one? There's no, there's no prohibition. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven menorahs. Yeah. So on the eighth night of Hanukkah, when you'll have nine candles on each one, do people know that, that there's nine candles on an eight candle menorah? Because the ninth is the, the helper candle. The word is shamash. And if you are the shamash candle, then you are lighting all the other candles. And that's what you, Mark, are doing by hosting this radio show. You're lighting everyone's light. People are getting lit up by hearing what you have to do. You are a shamash. And I'm a shamash. And every listener out there is a shamash in their own way. So if you have seven menorahs, seven times nine is 63 candles. That's what it's going to be like on the last night of Hanukkah tonight is the third night. So we got 21 candles going. That's what we do in my house. And people say, oh, you get gifts every night. That's the holiday for me. Like, no, (laughs) some people do a gift every night. And it tends to be smaller gifts since you're doing one each night, if you do that. We do something small, like my wife made these beautiful photo albums for us, and she got a little backlogged. So the last set, she does one for each season, like fall, spring, summer. 
So there's seven of those books coming to us, one for each night, and then the eighth night of Hanukkah will be something else. So things like that. It sounds wonderful. Let's talk about this song again. Let There Be Light is what you're going to be sharing, and there's four verses to it. Give people an overview of the song. Obviously, the phrase Let There Be Light is something you've probably heard before. If it comes out of the Old Testament, it's in the first book of the Old Testament, which in Hebrew is called Bereshit, which literally means in the beginning, it was created. It was created in the beginning. The initial creation story says, and God said, let there be light. I love the idea that there is this being out there who wants to create some kind of, what would we call it, distinction in the world, a distinction between what is and what is yet to be. So if you've just got a formless void and suddenly fill it with light, you've created a distinction. To me, let there be light is what we're all doing every day by moving through our worlds and trying to make meaning of them. We're making distinctions between what's meaningless and what is not meaningless. And that is the process of letting there be light. Additionally, I believe we're all gifted creators, and it's just a question of having permission to move forward with that. I think that's what every artist has done is decided they have permission, because we're all that. Some of us just don't give ourselves permission or time or whatever it is. So let there be light as a way of invoking one's own inherent divine inclination and permission to create something that wasn't there before. And so with those ideas in mind, I thought, wouldn't it be great to have a song that gets everybody saying, let there be light? Everybody would be invoking that, sort of intoning the words that are ascribed to the creator of the universe, and thereby becoming a creator within your own universe of your own universe. That's the foundation behind the song. And then the four verses you mentioned, the first one is straight out of the creation story from the Bible. The second verse is the idea of humans evolving to a point where they could create fire, which is seen by anthropological researchers as one of the pivotal moments in our evolution. The third verse invokes the Jews who were in the desert, the Maccabees, who were in a military struggle. They were far outnumbered and they chose to have faith and muscle through that. And the myth story that's told around that is they had a light, a single light that's called the eternal flame, the Ner Talmud, and it had enough oil in it to burn for one day. And they sent out a runner to break through the forces that were surrounding them and find more oil to keep that light going, that symbol of their connection to the divine. And the light miraculously burned for eight days until that runner had returned. That one day's worth of oil burned for eight days. So that's the Hanukkah story myth that, you know, did it happen or not? We don't know, but it certainly is true whether it happened or not. You know, that idea that faith creates amazing possibility in our lives and that miracles do happen when our eyes are open to them. The fourth verse asks the listener to imagine there's a light inside themselves, because there is, and it's often been covered up by all kinds of experiences. Ask you to look out at the problems in the world and know that you cannot necessarily solve them in this moment, but you can look at them and send a loving intention towards them. And then have faith that you're activating some deep vibration within the cosmos that's going to facilitate change right there. Maybe not in that moment, but soon. You look at a homeless person and you say, hey, let there be light. And you maybe say it silently to yourself, maybe you say it out loud. And just watch what possibilities open up. We never know. It's just inclining ourselves, leaning ourselves towards possibility definitely invites it with a lot more welcome than not doing it, right? So that's the fourth verse, is that invitation to incline oneself towards possibility. And to let there be light, let there be light, let there be light, the intonation of it. Such a beautiful chant, just a beautiful meaning in all the different places where light seeps into our life and where we pass it on. 
I'm going to let people listen to the song, Let There Be Light, by Billy Jonas, his website, billyjonas.com. The link's on nordenspiritradio.org. Thank you again, Billy, for joining me. And I hope to have you on soon to share some more of the wonderful songs of your soul. I hope that everyone will let there be light and everyone will find an opportunity to incline towards possibility and that your solstice, the darkest part of your year, is filled with light. So all together, folks, let's listen to Billy Jonas and say with him, let there be light. Let there be light. From the vastness of outer space Issued a plan To separate sea from sky and sand But how to give form to the night Take a breath, make a wish and say Let there be light Let there be light Tonight, tonight in the depth of the forest we fashioned our drums To echo the heart-beating heat of the sun And call it back from its dark winter flight Around a torch in a cave we sang Let there be light, let there be light Tonight, tonight The scorch of the desert, the Maccabees strained Their faith, it was fixed in a flickering flame When one day's worth of oil burned eight nights Every day they would pray, singing, let there be Take a breath, make a wish, and say, Let there be light, let there be light tonight, tonight, tonight. Let there be light, let there be light tonight, 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 tonight. Let there be light. Let there be light.
was the first song of our winter holiday celebration, Let There Be Light by Billy Jonas. On we go to our second special guest, Steve Suffet, with us via Zoom from New York. Steve, it's good to have you back for Song of the Soul. Well, thank you. It's good to be back kind of amazing that you reached out to me right as I was reaching out to a number of people. I haven't reached out to everyone who I've had contact with for this program, but fortunately you sent out this invite to me. How is it that came about? I wrote this song called The Turning of the Year, which seems like a very fit seasonal song. A very good friend of mine, a woman named Allison Kelly, who happens to also be uh, an excellent singer, She, like I, had been a special education teacher in the New York City school system. Allison lost her sister, Hillary, in a freak accident at home on Thanksgiving 2000. Hillary had somehow knocked over a large glass mirror, broke it, and while cleaning it up, somehow got some fragment that cut her femoral artery, and she bled out before she even knew what was happening. And less than a year later, Allison's boyfriend was killed at the World Trade Center in the um, 9-11 attack in 2001. As you could imagine, this one-two punch was pretty, pretty uh, devastating. And I wrote this song as a way of consoling Allison. And the song has basically taken on a life of its own. It doesn't mention either of those two events, so it's not specific to any one person. And it has a refrain that says, there'll be time again for loving, the time is drawing near, there'll be time again for music with the turning of the year. And because Allison is also into music, what's the group she's part of? Allison is a member of an all-women's maritime group, an all-women's sea shanty group called the Johnson Girls. And I believe right now they're the only all-women's shanty group that's performing anywhere in the world, at least on the uh, maritime music circuit. There had been one or two others in the past, the Liverpool Judys, I believe, and the Shanty Annas. But right now, I believe the Johnson Girls are the only ones who are still active. You know, it's the turning of the year that we're celebrating. We're going from, in this case, 2022 to 23. But not everybody's year ends at the same point. That's correct. (laughs) So is this another year that we should know about, too? I realize it's a few months past now, but when did the new year for the Jewish people come about? Oh, uh, Rosh Hashanah, that was not very long ago. That was in September. Three months. (laughs) There there are other years. I mean, uh, November 1st, October 31st, November 1st, the traditional Celtic New Year. And of course, in the old Roman calendar, I believe it was March 1st was the beginning of the year, which explains why we have a month that's called September and October, November, December, which should be 7, 8, 9, and 10, which instead are 9, 10, 11, and 12, just simply (laughs) because... Somewhere along the line, I forget which emperor did it, or maybe it was one of the popes, moved the start of the year from uh, March to January. But no, this uh, turning of the year literally was the turning of the Christian era calendar. There was nothing else to it, but you could interpret it any way you want. As I said, even though I wrote it to console Allison, it's not specific to any one person or I guess to any one culture. I think that every day of the year is a good day to start into a new year. That we can find that new hope and light and all that, whether it's dark or light out or warm or cold, it doesn't matter. We can choose a new path. And I hope that Allison has been uplifted by this and a lot of other people. She did thank me for the song. I mean, her life has had ups and downs since then, like we all have. But nothing as devastating as that one-two punch. Certainly. 
Well, folks, our guest for Song of the Soul is Steve Suffet. His song is The Turning of the Year. His website is stevesuffet.com. Suffet is S-U-F-F-E-T. And the link is on northernspiritradio.org. Here's Turning of the Year. Thanks so much, Steve. Okay, thank you very much. And now, uh, you know, have a good Christmas and good Boxing Day and all the other things that come around this time of year and a wonderful and healthy new year. And the same to you. Let's go together into the turning of the year. There'll be time again for laughter. There'll be time again for song. There'll be time again for shouting out with voices proud and strong. There'll be time again for loving. The time is drawing near. Building time again for music with the turning of the year. Was a time of sacred blessing, was a time of evil curse. A time of contradiction was the best of times and worst. A time of brilliant vision and a time of darkest fear. There'll be time again for music with the turning of the year. There'll be time again for laughter, there'll be time again for song. There'll be time again for shouting out with voices proud and strong. There'll be time again for loving, the time is drawing near. There'll be time again for music with the turning of the year. I've heard the holy trumpet and I've heard the sacred harp. I've heard the angel Gabriel triumphant by the ark. When I listen to your singing, it's God's voice that I hear. There'll be time again for music with the turning of the year. There'll be time again for laughter, there'll be time again for song. There'll be time again for shouting out with voices proud and strong. There'll be time again for loving, the time is drawing near. There'll be time again for music with the turning of the year. There'll be time again for laughter, there'll be time again for song. There'll be time again for shouting out with voices proud and strong. There'll be time again for loving, the time is drawing near. There'll be time again for music with the turning of the year. Turning of the Year is a gift to us from Steve Suffet, and hopefully you got some hope and healing from that song. We're bringing together all kinds of singers with songs from the many holidays of December and of the wintry end of year. Sigrid Christensen joins us with a spoken word song from Detroit, Michigan, to grace our journey into winter. Sigrid, been so long since I've seen you. It's great to have you back for Song of the Soul. Thank you so much for inviting me. I'm really thrilled to be here. So for the month of December, which holiday is biggest for you? Christmas or solstice? Could be Hanukkah, could be something else. I don't know. What for you matters? I just like the change in season. I love the darkness, the coming of the darkness and the mystery of that. I love the quieting down. I don't get terribly involved in Christmas. It's always been a little too commercial for me. When the boys were little, I was just like, Let's stop doing presents. (laughs) Oh, right. I'm sure that got vetoed. (laughs) But it was overwhelming to me. It just seemed to take away the whole point. And this year, I've started going to my husband's church. It's Episcopal, but it's really very ecumenical. And I went to the Sunday of Love, 
last Sunday, and we were talked about taking down barriers to love and talked about miracles and talked about angels coming in your dreams and talked about Native American rituals and the meanings of the changing of the season and the solstice. It's very beautiful, and I'm really loving that. So you said that it was going to his church. Where would you be otherwise? You just send him off church? Usually it's the reverse. The woman goes off to church and the man stays home. I know. I was actually raised in an atheist household. And so I've always found going to church a little bit confusing for me. It's been hard to find find a comfortable place for me. My husband, on the other hand, grew up in a Jewish family, but his mother became a Quaker. And so he was used to a meeting you know, but he sort of gravitated towards a civil rights church, a church that caters to the homeless, has a food pantry in it, and has a lot of different people and a lot of different influences, and everybody's welcome. It's extremely inclusive, and I have to say, I'm feeling comfortable there. That's wonderful. That's wonderful. Actually, from my point of view, for the holidays, the most important part is to feel at home, feeling with family, feeling with us. Yes. Because the most distressing one for me, it was my first, after four months in Togo, we had Christmas there. And I was in equatorial Africa. There's no snow. My family and friends were not around. That was the hardest one for me. So being at home. Being at home feels good. Yeah. I'd like it better if family could visit. But this year, the boys aren't, aren't coming. Our youngest son, his wife is set to have a baby any day. The oldest one, we just were there at Thanksgiving in Washington, Bellingham, that we talked about, but they're going east to see her family. So we're just alone here, but it's okay. We're fine with it. You're going to share with us winter solstice. Are there any particular celebrations or activities you do around the solstice? No, I don't have a tradition. I definitely don't have a tradition, but I do love the changing of the seasons, no matter what season it is. And I'm always fascinated with the darkness and then the coming light. I just love it. Well, tell me about winter solstice, where this spoken piece comes from. I've got some meadows and a woods that are part of a park that they left to go wild. Just a walk away, just... I go down the block and then cross the street and then I'm in these meadows and then surrounding the meadows and in back of the meadows is this big woods. It used to be a park that was fenced off and was manicured into a public golf course, but they took the fence down about six or seven years ago and they've let it go wild. And this is where I've been seeing the foxes and the coyotes and the deer. There's been a gang of bucks running around there recently. That's where I saw my black coyote from my most recent EP. I was always seeing the the little black coyote that lived there by herself until she had pups one spring. It's just my place of wildness and the birds and the hawks and the geese and the deer and the coyotes and the fox and the everything. They're all there and I just love it. So that's where I go. And that's how this song came about when I, you know, in the early years where we started to walk there, my dog and I. I started writing the song in November and it got closer and closer till it turned into a solstice song. And folks, by the way, as Sigrid Christensen's talking about her fox, uh, the vixen, and the, all of this, which is part of her song of the soul that she shared back in December of 2019, three years ago, she shared it. You'll find her albums, you'll find link to both Sigrid Christensen and to her song of the soul back then. You can listen to the full thing. And Tallulah is your dog? 
She is. She's a little annoyed with me for being sick because we haven't been walking these last two days, which is something we do every day when I'm feeling better. But um, yeah, Tallulah is my dog. And this song is from the EP that I released in 2021. You can find that on all the, you know, on my website and everything. And also the I released another one in 2002. So lots of little EPs are coming out from this long, isolated time of, of the pandemic. The hibernation, our sorts. By the way, I interviewed just a month or two ago some folks, neighbors, I guess, essentially of yours in Detroit, Arboretum Detroit. Do you know what that is? And if not, why don't you go out and listen to my interview and then go traveling in, through the Arboretum? I'm going to do that. I don't know that place. Some wonderful folks, very much in tune with your heart. I met them camping up in the UP, the Upper Peninsula. We were up in the Porcupine Mountains, and I ran into them. Thank you. And this is a spoken word piece. I know you as a beautiful, wonderful singer, but you chose us to do this spoken. And why was that? Sometimes the things I write just seem like they need to be spoken. I have no idea why, but I now have a little bundle of spoken songs, and they seem to be powerful when spoken. So, folks, let's head into the longest night of the year with Sigrid Christensen, and let's just enjoy both her story, her voice, her journey toward the light. Thanks so much, Sigrid. Thank you, Mark. Thank you so much. Here's Winter Solstice.
Sigrid Christensen, with her spoken word piece, Winter Solstice, was the third of five guests with us today for Song of the Soul. But keep in mind that next week we'll have six more guests and songs on the winter holidays theme. This is Song of the Soul, and on NordenSpiritRadio.org you'll find all kinds of helpful links. And with this show you'll also have links to both our guests and to the earlier full-length shows I've done with them. And there is so much more on the NordenSpiritRadio.org website, including a place to post comments and to donate to support us. Your help is much appreciated, and we'd also appreciate it if you'd support your local community radio stations, like the 45 or so stations that carry our Northern Spirit Radio shows. They depend on your hands and wallets to make it through. Alternative media is so crucial, so important, and your help can make or break us. Now, back to our Winter Holidays theme, Song of the Soul, and I'm so grateful we were able to get a hold of Chris Williamson, creator of our namesake theme song, and hundreds of other beautiful and transforming songs. And Chris now joins us via Zoom from Seattle, Washington. Chris, it's so wonderful to have you back for Song of the Soul. Thank you. What a catchy title you have there. (laughs) (laughs) Well, and it's all due to you because I really developed myself because of your music. Wonderful. I mean, not just yours. Holly Near was a big influence for me. Well, I'm, I'm honored that you call it that. And, you know, for 17 and a half years, people have been listening to your little intro to get caught up on your music. How many CDs, recordings do you have out there? Do you know? Something like 32 or 33, something like that. A lot. And has the pandemic period been fruitful or thin for you? I would say mostly fruitful in that I wrote an entire album and recorded that last year. It's called Harbor Street. I went down to Oakland, to the Bay Area, to record it. And I've been doing a show a month from our living room here. We get all set up and do one on a Sunday every month. And we have about 400 or more steady listeners that stay through the whole hour and a lot of them from all over the world. So I have a chance really to, they can come to me so I don't have to go to them, which is, you know, much harder these days. Getting there is more than half the battle these days. It gave me a chance to write a lot because Needless to say, there's an enormous amount of material out there to write about. So lots of stuff on this last album about how we've got to stand up against tyranny and hatred and love one another. And, you know, in some ways, it's song of the soul for sure. You've got to forgive people because they are acting in such ignorant ways. Uh, You know, what do you do for your living? So this is my living. This is what I do. And it helps other people live as well, which is you know, one of the best gifts of music is it really does help people live. Well, there's a lot of people who can use music and turn it into a cudgel as well. And you don't do that. And that's one of the things I've admired about you. I really feel like the love always came out of it. Yeah, it wins over my heart, over the cudgel. I have it in my hand from time to time, and I feel so moved to do it because, you know, it pulls you to the lowest level. When people are are hateful towards you and deliberately cruel. You know, it's one thing I just can't bear. I can hardly bear it when people are deliberately cruel and there's just a ton of them and they're getting elected by people who seem to find that kind of power suitable and calls to them. But again, I think at a real low level, I'm looking very much to be with people 
who operate on a higher level of consciousness. I still believe in it. I still believe we can have it. It's been years and years and years of talking about it and trying to live by example. So putting the cudgel down is part of living by example. Swords into plowshares. Yeah. And don't sow dragon's teeth, you know, because that's how wars continue. Absolutely. Well, you've got a song to share with us today for our special holiday commemoration. You know, Christmas, solstice, Hanukkah, the New Year's, winter. And you've written so many great songs over the years, including some wonderful winter songs. Yes, I have a lot of them. It's a great time to write anyway when you're sort of holed up. I think writers generally turn in in those times. Then I certainly the holidays provide a great impetus for trying to gather around all of these holy days. You know, as we come to the darkest day of the year, that's solstice. And we move into the sign of Capricorn and we look start looking more towards the sun. And you just think about all the seeds that are under the dark earth. They're waiting for just the right warmth, just the right light. You know, and we're like that. And I think consciousness is like that. So the song I chose, is called Wishbook, which is a true story. We lived out in Wyoming, my family, and the rest of our family on both sides lived in Ohio. Everybody lived there and stopped there, as though that were the end of the frontier for them. And our family pushed further west into Wyoming, and every five years or so, we'd drive through the night to go see the relatives. So I'd only see them every five years, so they were kind of strangers to me. And that year... There wasn't quite enough money to make the trip and get Christmas presents. So mom cut little pictures out of the wish book, the catalog, either Sears or Monkey Wards catalogs. We just dream over those big old catalogs that would come in the mail of the things we'd have. So when we got to Ohio, everybody was opening. Our cousins were opening their presents and everything, ripping off the paper. We had some string and we followed the string. And at the end of the string, somewhere in the house would be an envelope with our name on it. You'd open it up and all these little pictures from the wish book would, would spill out. So mom and dad did the very best they could. It was, you know, very hard as a kid to not get a real present, but to get promises of days to be, as I say in the song. So this is the story of that drive from Wyoming to Ohio. And you knew the real meaning of peace on earth. That's the phrase that keeps coming up. As some people might have thought that's reason to be bitter, but that's not a Chris Williamson kind of thing, huh? It, it is. No, it's just bitter party of one. You know, it's just, it gives nothing back. And the gift, the thing about a gift is it's a two-way exchange. You know, when you realize your folks are human beings, and that they were doing the best. And the best part was the magical drive through as my brother and sister would fall asleep. I'd have them all to myself and crawl up in the front seat and be with them. And the radio light was green, you know, and it would just glow. And we'd, I'd listen to them talk. It was just magical. And they were young, you know, they were probably at that time, probably in their 30s or 40s, something like early 30s. Young people, really, trying to do the best they could. And something in me realized that. And I never was one much for, I never felt like I needed presents. I did never know exactly what I wanted until I saw Peter Pan. And then I knew what I wanted was to fly. <laughs> and mom said, well, you're probably not going to be getting that. So, <laughs> But I have been trying to fly, you know, in my way. Oh, you do. You do. <laughs> You and X-Ray Ted. Yeah. Lovely that you, you know about him. He's a sweet little boy who studied consciousness and enlightenment. 
Mm-hmm. And, and that was done, you know, when there was hardly anybody had a computer in there, had their own personal computer. So I was a jump ahead there. You're way ahead in so many ways. Thank you, Mark. Well, folks, Chris Williamson, we're honored to have her here. And you should check out all 34, did you say, Chris? Something like that. Yeah, you, they're all available. You can go to my website and we have a store and everything. And they're great gifts for the holidays. So I would encourage you certainly to do that. Thank you so much for your time today. Thank you. So go to chriswilliamson.com, folks. Look at all those albums and maybe it's your own personal wish book. This is her song, Wish Book, from Snow Angel, one of her wonderful albums along the way. Thanks again, Chris. You betcha. Bye. And here is Wish Book. What did you get? Toys. And what kind of books did Mommy and Daddy get you? Color book. And a pink book. And the pink book and the red book. Yeah, tell our grand. And we have a new car. Oh, yeah. Tell me what kind of car we have. We have a Chevrolet. That's right.
Wish Book by Chris Williamson is such a beautiful, sad maybe, and glorious maybe song. And I'm so grateful to have had Chris sharing today. Remember, we'll be sharing a second installment of our Winter Holidays theme again next week. But right now, we'll finish up with an especially powerful and timeless song from John McCutcheon. John is joining us for Song of the Soul from his home stamping grounds just outside of Atlanta, Georgia. John, it's so great to see you again. Just, what, two months ago or something I saw you. I think we should do this every month. little segment, what's going on with John, huh? <laughs> yeah, well, you're making music with Carrie Newcomer, too. Oh, yeah. You're doing that so frequently. I just, I don't know how you manage your life, but thanks to Mike Green. I have you here today because it's the holiday season and your song, Christmas in the Trenches, was one of my absolute favorites. Tell the folks a little bit about how this song came about. Back in 1984, which seems like almost 40 years ago, (laughs) I was contracted by my record company, Rounder Records at the time, to do a Christmas album. The previous year, I had done what they called a children's album, an album called How'd You Do? It turned out to be a very, very different kind of album of that sort for the time. So they were intrigued with what I might do for a holiday album. And I had pretty much everything all together. I was about to go into the studio, and it was about two weeks before heading in, But and I knew that there was something that was missing. I was playing in Birmingham, Alabama, and happened to get in a, uh, what could only be described as a joke-swapping session with a backstage janitor, this old African-American woman. She and I were going back and forth telling jokes, and I kind of lost track of time, and all of a sudden, it was two minutes to show time. And I said, okay, we got time for one more. So give me your best shot. And she told me the story of the Christmas truce. She preceded it by saying, this ain't no joke, boy. And it haunted me the whole first half of the show. And I wrote it during the intermission, the concert. And for your listeners who haven't heard it, it's the story of how during the first Christmas Eve of World War I, when everybody thought the war was going to be over by then, on the front lines, across no man's land, the Germans started singing Christmas carols. And the English troops on the other side started singing English Christmas carols back at them. And it kind of went this, this volleying back and forth in the most yuletide manners. And eventually the Germans sang Stille Nacht, which was, of course, Silent Night, which was originally written in German. The English responded at this singing along with them in English. And I can't imagine that any human in that situation, even in this most inhumane situation, couldn't be struck by the fact that they shared this holiest of songs on this holiest of nights. And what they were being tasked to do made no sense against that religious and cultural backdrop. And they came out of the trenches and had a had a party. In no man's land, they played soccer. And, and this is all, you know, this is not, I did not have to fictionalize any of this. I mean, I made up a guy's name, where he was from, but essentially told the story, which is a very true and historically well-documented story through his eyes. The one license I took was trying to imagine what it must have been like for men to have been through that experience and then be called back to fight one another because someone told them to. Um, I think it was an inescapable kind of conundrum for these people. 
That's the genesis and my thinking behind the song when I wrote it. That's exactly what I was hoping to hear. There was a movie made about it in the past 10 years sometime. You know about Christmas in the Trenches, the movie documentary, I guess. One of the things I was surprised to find, it wasn't just a one night. In your song, you know, you say, dawn comes and they settle back to war. But in fact, it took a couple weeks for the overlords of war to get all the men back into war because this changed their lives, their hearts. Well, as I said, Mark, I can't imagine that anyone would have lived through this experience where all of a sudden they were encountering their enemies as real human beings. I mean, one of the first things that happens in every war is the dehumanization of the enemy because as was evidenced in the aftermath of the Christmas truce, it was difficult to imagine that, well, this fellow who I just shared a cigarette with or I ate some of his chocolate or I saw pictures of his family or he scored a goal against me in in an impromptu football game are going to be unchanged by that. And there was a lot of moving troops around so that you weren't fighting against someone that you had previously met with. Yeah, it created a lot of chaos and... As the song says, the walls that they had constructed were gone. And I believe in concert one time I heard you announce that you actually, at a concert, saw these men standing in the back and they went out and you chased them down. Mention about that. I was at a, playing at a festival in Denmark, right on the German border. This was 1988, maybe. The song had started to make it rounds and was played on German state radio. And these four men who had actually participated in the Christmas truce were in a veteran's home in Berlin. And they heard the song on the radio and couldn't believe that anybody had written a song, much less believed that it had happened because the Germans and the French had gone overboard in trying to quiet this down, whereas English school kids are taught this in their history classes. Imagine that. And so these men showed up at a festival, of course. You perform multiple times, and every time I played, they showed up. And finally, the last show, where I realized, oh, there they are again, but I am not performing anymore, so I'm never going to see them. I took the initiative to hunt them down and... They told me their story, and it was really quite moving. And remember, this is 1988. You know, this is over 40 years since the end of World War II, much less World War I. So these, these were very elderly men, but they'd been friends since they were boys. And it was really moving and humbling, as it is any time that someone who is the subject or the inspiration for a song that you've written comes up and says, Hi. <laughs> One last thing before we play the song, John, and that is you and I, even though as adults we've been Quakers, we both grew up Catholic. I have some fond or mystical memories of Midnight Mass back from when I was a kid. How did you spend Christmas? How do you spend it this year? Well, I often played at the Midnight Mass in our little church. And in fact, I was talking with Noel Stuckey, who is the Paul of Peter, Paul, and Mary recently, and told him that I was, I always sang his song Christmas Dinner as part of the Midnight Mass. I'm married to a Cuban, and this year, Christmas Eve is the big Latin American Noche Buena, and it involves a big extended family. Everybody comes through four generations 
of people. And this year, my one of my younger brothers has recently moved to Georgia, near where I live, and, and he and his kids are going to be joining us. So that'll be, that'll be wonderful. That'll be a real notch-shaped winner. It will. Thank you again for squeezing me into your schedule, John. Thank you for the blessing you bring through your music. I feel it deeply. Carry it with me. Have a Merry Christmas, and I hope a peaceful New Year we get. Well, that's something that's more than a wish. It's something we have to work for. Same to you, Mark, and to all your listeners. God bless. Thanks. And folks, we're going to play John McCutcheon's song, Christmas in the Trenches. Get it for your personal collection. Play it every day of your life and use it as inspiration. Here is Christmas in the Trenches, John McCutcheon. My name is Francis Tolliver. I come from Liverpool. Two years ago, the war was waiting for me after school. To Belgium and to Flanders To Germany to here I fought for king and country I loved dear T'was Christmas in the trenches Where the frost so bitter hung The frozen fields of France Where still no Christmas song was sung Our families back in England Were toasting us that day they're brave and glorious lads so far away I was lying with my messmate On the cold and rocky ground When across the lines of battle Came a most peculiar sound Says I now listen up me boys Each soldier strained to hear As one young German voice sang out so clear Singing bloody well, you know, my partner says to me Soon one by one each German voice joined in in harmony The cannons rested silent, and the gas clouds rolled no more As Christmas brought us respite from the war As they were finished and reverent pause was spent God rest ye merry gentlemen struck up some lads from Kent All the next they sang was steely knocked Tis silent night says I And into tongues one song filled up that sky There's someone coming towards us Front line sentry cried All sights were fixed on one lone figure Trudging from their side His truth flag like a Christmas star Shone on that plane so bright As he bravely strode unarmed into the night Then one by one on either side Walked into no man's land Neither gun nor bayonet We met there hand to hand We shared some secret brandy And wished each other well And in a flare-lit soccer game We gave him hell We traded chocolates, cigarettes And photographs from home These sons and fathers Far away from families of their own 
Sanders played his squeeze box and they had a violin This curious and unlikely band of men Soon daylight stole upon us France was France once more With sad farewells we each began To settle back to war But the question haunted every heart That lived that wondrous night Whose family have I fixed within my sights It was Christmas in the trenches Where the frost so bitter hung Frozen fields of France were warmed as songs of peace were sung For the walls they'd kept between us to exact the work of war Had been crumbled and were gone Francis Tolliver In Liverpool I dwell Each Christmas comes since World War I I've learned its lessons well But the ones who call the shots Won't be among the dead and lame And on each end of the rifle We're the same Christmas in the Trenches by John McCutcheon is the crowning conclusion of our winter holiday special for today. But we've got six more guests who will be with us next week for Song of the Soul. I'm so pleased to have been able to share with you today. Hope you found words and songs that helped warm your December. And absolutely remember to join us again next week for Song of the Soul. The theme music for Song of the Soul is by Chris Williamson, and it is called Song of the Soul. Check out all things Song of the Soul on northernspiritradio.org, guests, links, stations, and a place for your feedback, suggestions, and support. Send your Songs of the Soul to me, Mark Helps Meet, via the info on our website, and join us weekly for Song of the Soul.